What is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your other host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. I felt like we had to do a New England case. Heath and I have been watching the new season of American Horror Story, Red Tide. So good, and it made me really want to cover something that takes place on the coast of New England. So here it is. Yeah, and if you know anything about us, we love spooky time, and spooky time is coming up, so we had to cover this case. To me, there is just no better location than like a coastal cliff, you know? Oh, 100%, especially during the fall. Of course, this case is very tragic and it's really interesting. I found it on the internet and I haven't really seen anybody else cover it, so hopefully it's a new story to you, but it has a lot of depth. I think you guys are gonna be really interested. And before we get started, we wanted to say thank you to everyone who has joined Patreon in the last week. You guys are awesome. If you want bonus episodes, head over to patreon.com slash goingwestpodcast and make sure that if you are a patron, you listen for your name at the end of each episode because we give you guys shout outs. Yes, if you join this week, we'll be giving you a shout out in the end of this episode, so make sure to listen. All right, guys, this is episode 137 of Going West, so let's get into it. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. In August of 1987, a 26-year-old New England woman responded to a personal ad in the local Dexter, Maine newspaper that would unknowingly lead to her demise just months later. In a story that has been described as something only Alfred Hitchcock could have written, two people were murdered and one almost got away with it. This is the story of Kathy Frost, as well as Leslie Reynolds, also known as the murder at Otter Cliff. Kathy Frost was born on June 13, 1961 to Audrey Frost Pomeroy and Robert Pomeroy, along with her brother Robert Jr., in Dexter, Maine, which is a very quaint and charming town about two hours from the eastern coastal line, and it's had a population of just around 4,000 people for many, many years. It's where her mother grew up, it's where Kathy spent most of her life, too, and she also attended Dexter schools, 
before deciding to jump into nursing life after she turned 18. Kathy always seemed to do everything right. In her 20s, she was employed as a nurse's aide at the Dexter Nursing Home, which was a really great job for her considering how loving and caring she really was known to be. By age 26, she even owned her own house on Spooner's Mills Road in her hometown of Dexter. But one thing seemed to be missing from her life, a companion. According to her mom, Audrey, she was very lonely and she wanted someone to spend her life with. So sometimes she would peruse the local Dexter newspaper, the Bangor Daily News, for personal ads. And many of these ads in these particular papers included needs for a babysitter or even a baker at the local Dunkin' Donuts. One ad in the personal section of this paper said, 1-800-548-5646, The Matchmaker. Dating service in New England. Three million population to choose from. But in the classified section of the Bangor Daily News on Friday, August 7th, 1987, there was a listing that caught her eye. And the listing was this. Construction worker, 37, 5 foot 7, 135 pounds, active outdoorsman, seeks compatible, childless lady, 20 to 35 years old, for lasting relationship. Reply to advertiser box L35, Bangor Daily News, Bangor, Maine, 04401. And this ad seemed to meet some of Kathy's own standards. So she decided to respond to the ad and hopefully plan a date with this man. And not long after, Kathy received a call from 37-year-old Dennis Larson. He had recently moved to the area from Montana and began working as a union construction worker in East Millinocket, which is about an hour and 20 minutes outside of Dexter. Dennis Larson had posted several advertisements in two main newspapers, and he had even joined a computer dating service. So he was definitely looking for a woman to be with, and he seemed to find what he was looking for in 26-year-old Kathy Frost after having their first date. Just two weeks after meeting, Dennis proposed to Kathy, and although she felt it was very quick, she did want to be with him. She spoke with her mother about it, and Audrey was worried about how quick it was. She thought it was a bit bizarre and that Dennis was being pushy, and even Kathy stated that she wanted to get married about five months down the line. On Valentine's Day, Sunday, February 14th, 1988. But Dennis told Kathy that he didn't want to wait. And in fact, he wanted to get married on Sunday, September 20th, 1987, just weeks after they met. So they did, and the wedding was hosted at Audrey's parents' house right there in Dexter. After their wedding, Dennis moved into Kathy's house in Dexter as well. But just one day after their wedding, he set up an appointment to meet with a local insurance agent. And we'll go a little bit more into Dennis's background here in a bit, but for now, all you really need to know about him is that Kathy is his third wife, both of his other wives being from Montana. And it's unclear why he moved all the way to Maine, but after his divorce with his second wife, it's believed that he may have wanted a fresh start. He was very devastated from the divorce and wasn't over his second wife of four and a half years, Janine Larson, whom he had two kids with. And he even told her that he would return to Montana in a couple years, hoping that then she would be interested in being with him, maybe after he had a more secure job and he could be a better provider for the family. 
After he arrived to Maine in June of 1987, he would call his ex-wife Janine weekly and tell her that he was building toward their future together and he even hinted that he wanted to get back together with her soon. However, just weeks after arriving, he placed his first newspaper ad, looking for his next wife. And after meeting Kathy, he told Janine that he was going to make a home in Maine now, and then he stopped contacting her. The morning after Kathy and Dennis's wedding, on Monday, September 21st, 1987, Dennis took them to see a man named Timothy Callahan, who was a sales representative for Allstate Insurance in the Bangor's Mall in Maine. There, they purchased a universal life insurance policy, totaling to $300,000 worth of coverage for him and $200,000 worth of coverage for Kathy, but with a double indemnity if one of them died accidentally. And double indemnity means that if the death is an accident, you know, i.e. a car accident, etc., versus something health-related like a disease of sorts, then the life insurance policy is worth two times the face value. So, for example, if Kathy died in an accidental death, Dennis would receive about $400,000, whereas if Dennis died in an accidental death, Kathy would receive about $600,000. The couple named each other as the primary beneficiaries, and they even prepaid the policies for two months meaning they'd both be covered until at least November, and then they would pay monthly. But after about three weeks of marriage, Dennis decided that he wanted to reduce the face amount of both policies, and he scheduled a meeting to do so for Monday, October 12th, 1987. But three days before that, on Friday, October 9th, Dennis made a plan with his new wife to go on a hike the following day. And Kathy wasn't a big outdoors person at all, but she knew her husband was and she just wanted to make him happy. But she had a big fear of both heights and water. So she called her mom that day, which was Friday, explaining her hesitation to go on this hike. It would be at Acadia National Park on the coast of Maine, which is about a two hour drive from their home in Dexter. So it was gonna be a bit of a trip out there. But again, she wanted to make her husband happy, especially since he loved being outdoors. And that kind of give and take is just a part of marriage, so she agreed to go with him. So the following day, Kathy and Dennis headed out to the National Park, as well as beautiful Otter Cliff. But it being Saturday, it was extremely busy and crowded. So they headed all the way back home and agreed to go the following day around sunset. That night after they returned, Kathy spoke with a friend and said that she was depressed about her marriage and that it wasn't as great as she'd hoped it would be. However, she also mentioned that it was at least better than being by herself, which is pretty sad. You know, she was very much rushed into this marriage. She barely knows this guy, and she just wanted a companion, so she kind of just went along with it and figured he was good enough. Right, and she's still so young as well. Yeah, that's true, and I don't know if maybe it has something to do with that time, and she did live in a pretty small town, so maybe she didn't meet very many men, but it's, it's sad that she's feeling this way so soon into the marriage. Yeah. So she expressed to this friend as well, you know, her disinterest in going back to the National Park the following day, but she still agreed to do this for Dennis. The next day, the couple headed out to the Acadia National Park once again and arrived at sunset. The sun set that day just before 6 p.m., and that's when they planned to do their stroll, 
when the crowds had completely calmed down and the weather was cool and breezy. But it was also very wet and foggy, so it was a slightly dangerous time to go so close to the cliffs, especially for those who are less experienced like Kathy was. Or someone who has a fear of heights. Exactly, and not long after they arrived, park rangers arrived to the Jordan Pond House in the Acadia National Park to report for duty at 7 p.m. And when they got there, Dennis Larson was waiting to tell them that his wife had fallen off a cliff. The park rangers rushed over to the scene and called for backup where Dennis pointed out where his wife's body lay on the rocks about 80 feet below. The rangers first tried to descend the cliff with proper gear, also known as rappelling, but they couldn't retrieve her that way. So they went over to her body by boat and when they reached her, it was clear that 26-year-old Kathy Frost Larson was dead and had likely died instantaneously. So within just three weeks of marriage, Dennis Larson was already a widow. He explained that they were hiking and looking for otters in the sea when Dennis said he suddenly heard his wife scream. And when he went to look for her, he said he didn't see her anywhere until he decided to peer over the cliff's edge where he spotted her laying on a rock down below. Panicked, he ran down to the road to flag down a car and explain what had happened. Then he headed to the Jordan Pond House to contact park rangers directly. And while officials took Kathy's body in for a proper examination, Dennis spent the evening at the Eagles Lodge in Ellsworth, which is about 35 minutes from the park, so he would remain close by. Dennis was picked up the following morning by police at 9.45 a.m. after a report went out that he was seen walking in the woods by the water with no shoes on. And of course, they didn't say Dennis was, they just said a man was. And they found Dennis and they took him in and then he left. Then a couple hours later, the local sheriff's office received another report that there was a man carrying a bag and walking without shoes in a town over called Sullivan. When police found him, he seemed disoriented, and he explained to them that his wife was the one who died at Otter Cliff the night before, and that he had taken a lot of sleeping pills and drank two beers to help him sleep. Four days after her death, on Thursday, October 15, 1987, a memorial was held for her at Mount Pleasant Cemetery in Dexter at 10 a.m., where she was buried. Dennis attended, of course, and shortly afterwards, he was admitted to the Veterans Administration Center and Hospital because, once again, he wasn't doing well. He seemed very devastated by his wife's death, and people worried about his health, so he was given another evaluation by a doctor and was then released. As the medical examiner reviewed Kathy's body along with the details of her death, they felt very suspicious of Dennis. It was strange that there were absolutely no witnesses to this fall, and having learned of Kathy's fear of heights, it didn't seem likely that she would be close enough to fall off on her own. An investigation began just one day after Kathy's death, and detectives interviewed Dennis many times, and some meetings were actually requested by Dennis himself. In an interview, Dennis insisted that he and Kathy had, for whatever reason, gone their separate ways while searching for otters, and that she must have slipped on the rocks and fallen over the edge, but that he had nothing to do with it. 
At this time, Dennis was renting a room in East Millinocket, where he worked, when the owner of the house found something troubling. On the evening of November 3rd, so about three weeks after Kathy's death, at around 11 p.m., David McAdam was cleaning out his garage when he found six sticks of dynamite. He immediately took the dynamite to police and explained that the only person who could have put it there was Dennis Larson, the man he was renting a room to. And Dennis wasn't home at the time, and the following morning, Dennis left a note for David saying that he was heading back to Montana and he was sorry if the house wasn't the way it should be. David McAdam described Dennis as a quiet fellow, and police worried that he was gonna blow up the airplane that he was headed out on. So they stopped him at the airport before he could get on the 2.20 p.m. Delta flight from Bangor, Maine, back to Montana. Dennis offered to open the luggage he had and show them that he didn't have any bombs, but they worried that by doing that, the bombs he may have had would detonate right there at the airport. The Bangor Police Department's bomb squad used one of their own devices to destroy his luggage, believing that maybe a pipe bomb was inside. And after a big boom and flash filled the area in the airport, they sifted through the remains to find mostly tools and clothes that were now in pieces and no bomb. Dennis carried on to Montana and on November 12th, so one month and one day since Kathy's death, Dennis returned to Montana and called his sales rep at Allstate to begin the process of receiving Kathy's life insurance policy. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Sometimes Daphne and I are doing research for Going West, and we subscribe to different newspapers from all around the country, and then we forget to unsubscribe. But that's exactly why we love Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. You'll be able to see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't like, Rocket Money can help you cancel it in just a few taps. It is seriously that easy. And that's why Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year 
when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash going west. That's rocketmoney.com slash going west. Rocketmoney.com slash going west. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. For award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Do you want to earn cash back while you shop? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out Rakuten, especially because this week, May 6th through May 13th, Rakuten is having their biggest cash back event of the year with 15% cash back at hundreds of stores. Rakuten is the shopping platform to use so that you can save big while you shop. They're partnered with over 3,500 stores across all categories, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, travel, dining, and so many others. Some of our personal favorite participating stores are Ray-Ban, Hydro Flask, Clinique Online, and Verbo, just to name a few. There are so many big stores and brands that you're already buying from. But don't miss this major deal. It's a limited time only with eight days of these high cashback rates, so you can save more than usual. Membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you can get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Just under four months after Kathy's death, Detective Jeff Harmon, strapped with a wire, flew to Montana to talk to Dennis once again about that fateful night in October. Previously, Dennis had told investigators that before Kathy died, he canceled the life insurance policy. But as we know, he had a meeting the day after she died about lowering the life insurance policy. So him telling investigators this was definitely a lie and they found this out when they spoke with the Allstate rep. So this only made Dennis look even more suspicious to investigators who wanted to get to the bottom of what really happened to Kathy. And during Detective Harmon's February of 1988 interview with Dennis, he pressured him on this, and he even presented a piece of evidence that could point to Dennis's guilt. The medical examiner's report stating that Kathy had bruises on her arms that were not consistent with her other injuries. 
And with that, Dennis admitted that he hadn't been completely truthful in previous interviews, and that during he and Kathy's hike at Otter Cliff, they had gotten into an argument about their marriage, and that Kathy had shoved him a bit, with his back to the trail, not the cliff, and said, I don't love you anyway. Dennis went on to explain, quote, and it pissed me off enough to where I gave her a push. We weren't all that close to the cliff, but I pushed her hard enough to where she stumbled backwards and went off and scraped her belly and fell over the cliff. With that, Dennis Larson was immediately arrested for the murder of his wife, Kathy. And I mean, Dennis had said some really sketchy things during this interview. For example, the investigator asked him if he was telling the truth and Dennis very nonchalantly said, yeah, it fits. To which the detective said, I didn't ask you if it fits, I wanna know if it's the truth. And Dennis said, now it's the truth. Wow, this guy is blatantly being an asshole. It comes off very, like, um... Condescending? Cocky? Yeah, yeah. oh, very cocky. That's the word I was looking for. It's almost like he knows what he did, and he's just playing with the investigator. Like, to say, yeah, it fits. Why, why would you say that? Yeah, that's, like, not what you say. <laughs> so that's how he comes across, and that's how he was coming across in this interview while he's saying... Oh yeah, you know, she said she didn't love me, she pushed me, so then I pushed her. And then, you know, we weren't super close to the cliff, but I pushed her hard enough to where she stumbled and still fell off said cliff. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Right, he's trying to put this in the accident category, and it's like, nah, dude. Exactly, and before we get into all the court details, let's talk more about Dennis, because there's some interesting backstory here. Dennis Larson hails from Montana... And by the time he was 24 years old in 1975, he married his first wife, a young woman about four years his junior, named Leslie Gale Reynolds. Leslie was born on September 25, 1954 in Montana to parents Lois and William Reynolds, and she had three other sisters, Shelley, Annette, and Susan. Leslie graduated from C.M. Russell High School in Great Falls, Montana, in 1972, and she was working towards becoming a dental assistant. Before she married Dennis, she started working for a dental office, and she was excited about her future in the business. On June 10, 1975, when Dennis was 24 and Leslie again was 20, they headed out to pick mushrooms at Little Prickly Pear Creek in Montana together. That day, Dennis sped over to a local gas station and noticed a Montana Highway Patrol officer, who he gave a terrifying story to, that his wife had fallen into the creek and drowned. The officer sped back over to the area with Dennis in hopes of finding her, but she wasn't there. Dennis explained how it all happened, that after she fell, he jumped into the creek to try and find her and save her, and that the water was up to his chest, so he was worried that the creek was going to take him under too, so he got out. But the weird thing that the officer noticed was that Dennis wasn't wet at all. And this is supposedly, like right after it happened, Dennis sped over to the gas station for help, so not nearly enough time to dry off. Yeah, so this officer calls for backup, and they start going down the river looking for Leslie, hoping her body may have gotten caught on one of the many log jams in the creek. 
but she was nowhere to be found. And this didn't make sense to them at all, because the creek wasn't very deep at all, and when the officer looked at the area in which Dennis said his wife had fallen in, he only noticed one set of footprints, and they belonged to Dennis. Leslie's parents were informed of the situation and were completely distraught by the news. They didn't live in the immediate area, so they came over the following day in hopes of getting more information on what had happened to their daughter. Since her body wasn't found, it was chalked up to an accident. But Dan, the original patrol officer at the scene, just did not believe that she had died in the creek that day. So he teamed up with Leslie's parents in hopes of continuing the search for her. But despite their joint search of every aspect of that river, nothing was uncovered, not even after inspecting the wildlife. I just gotta say first how weird it is that they chalked, they essentially said, okay, so she died accidentally just because that's what Dennis is saying. But if there's no body, then how can you even prove that she's dead? You know what I mean? Like at that point, just mark her as missing. I don't know if, I don't know why they would say she was dead per an accident. Right. That doesn't make sense to me either. She should have been labeled a missing person. Especially because there's no proof whatsoever that she was there that day. They didn't find her shoe. They didn't find, like, there was nothing. Yeah, her footprints were not there. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. There's no evidence of anything happening to her. So I don't, I don't know why they did this. Maybe small town situation. I'm, I'm not really sure. And even Dan stated that if there was a body out there, the black bears probably would have found it and dug it out and taken it with them. And Dan, who again is the highway patrol officer, watched these black bears so well and inspected their areas and was never able to find a single trace of a body. So to him, that meant there was never one there. And he thought Dan knew much more than he was leading on. And it's really sad because Leslie's parents went out to that creek every weekend for years, looking for their daughter with metal detectors, shovels, cadaver dogs, all that stuff. And because of their lack of findings, Leslie's parents, Lois and Bill, believed that Dennis had killed her. They just couldn't prove it. Oh man, I feel so horrible for Leslie's parents. I mean, I can't even imagine spending each and every weekend looking for your daughter. But again, that's why I'm like, if even the highway patrol officer that came onto the scene doesn't think she's dead, or, or thinks she's dead but doesn't think she died accidentally, who ruled this an accidental death? Yeah, that's my question. Well, Lois remembered that Dennis's family owned mining land, and she started to wonder if he had put her daughter's body out there. Officials spent hundreds of days digging through three different mines on the property and looking for Leslie Reynolds Larson, but still, they didn't find her anywhere. So her case went cold, and Dennis collected on her life insurance policy, which just like Kathy's, had a double indemnity clause on it. Meaning Dennis collected over $20,000 in Leslie's supposed accidental death. Dennis remained in Montana, and eight years later, at the age of 32, he married a woman named Janine, who we talked about earlier. Over the course of their four and a half year marriage, they had two children together, and Dennis really struggled to hold down a job. Yeah, I mean, Janine stated that the decline of their relationship was directly correlated with his employment schedule and sometimes lack thereof. 
there would be long periods of time when he couldn't find work as an electrician, and she struggled a lot taking care of their kids and operating their rental property business. Dennis often traveled to Minnesota and Utah to find better electrician work, meaning that he would be gone for, you know, allotted amounts of time, leaving his wife alone with her children and the business once again. She stated that she just wished he would stay in Great Falls, Montana and accept a steady and lower paying job. But he refused to do this and he would only accept jobs that paid him a certain amount, which were extremely few and far between. So Janine had finally reached a point in the spring of 1987 where she wanted a divorce. And in May of 1987, it went through and she was awarded their home and residency for their two kids. That's when Dennis told her that he would be moving to Maine and that he'd be back in two years to hopefully remarry her. But she was not interested. And I find this weird anyway, like, like this is just a weird plan. I'm gonna move away and hopefully better myself and then I'll be back in two years to like meet up with you again. You it's, know, like, it's really like, just, just figure it out right now. Like, why do you have to go away? Just go get a job. And clearly she's not really interested, so. She was not at all. She was like, I want nothing to do with you. I've had enough. And Janine actually explained all of this in court in May of 1989. Janine, who at this point was living in Minneapolis with her new husband, also told the court that Dennis had a big insurance policy on her during their marriage. And she too had a double indemnity clause. And by the way, here's a small clip from before the court proceedings. Uh, here's kind of what he said in an interview regarding Kathy's death. I wanted to, to see a wild otter that I'd never seen before. So we went to Otter Cliffs and the, the details of the death I feel should be brought out in court and shouldn't be, be brought out at this time, but there was no murder involved. So he's really not taking the blame here. He's not admitting to murder. He just admitted to pushing her and then her kind of falling off on her own. Right, and that's why he pleaded not guilty to Kathy's murder. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, 
Priceline. During court, a man named Richard Balazar, who was previously friends with Dennis, told the court that in the early 1980s, Dennis had told him during a hunting trip that he wanted to marry a foreign woman, purchase life insurance for her, arrange an accidental death, and then collect the proceeds. Which is so crazy that his friend was able to come forward and give this information because as we know, I mean, he had these double indemnity clauses on life insurance for all three of his wives. Yeah. And also, Heath said this earlier to me, but I mean, come on, when he was 24, he had a life insurance policy with his brand new wife and then she accidentally died. So that was the first huge red flag. I mean, who, maybe people do that if you did that out there in a non-suspicious way, no judgment. But to me, it's kind of odd that these kids essentially are putting their life insurance policies together right after getting married. I mean, do people do that? I mean, it seems a little strange to me. It seems a little um, rushed. Um, I feel like a lot of people wait until they're a few years into their marriage to do anything like this. But this also really reminds me of two different cases that we've covered. Uh, One on our Patreon and one regular episode. The first one was the uh, Harold Henthorne episode. Yes, definitely a lot of parallels. But also the Bob Duke episode in Wyoming, where he actually pushed his wife off a cliff and had told a friend beforehand that he was going to do so. Yes, totally. And obviously with his friend Richard, he probably didn't think that Dennis Larson was actually going to follow through with that plan, but maybe it was just a a silly thing he said while they were hunting. Right, and that was the same scenario that happened with Bob Duke. So anyway, back to the court proceedings. So between Dennis's somewhat confession to Detective Harmon, the medical examiner's report, the testimonies from his friend, the strange and consistent life insurance policy motive, and the suspicions involving his first wife, Leslie's supposed accidental death, 39-year-old Dennis Larson waived his right to a jury trial, and after eight days in court, a judge found Dennis Larson was guilty of the intentional murder of Kathy Frost Larson, and he was sentenced to 50 years imprisonment. Although Kathy's mother, Audrey, wasn't happy that he didn't get life, she was glad that it was at least a high number of years. This would mean that if he lived long enough, Dennis would get out at the age of almost 90. And obviously there's a lot of details that make Dennis look guilty, but even just based on him making the, yeah, it fits, and now it's the truth statements that we discussed earlier, and just him clearly being a killer, it's just annoying that Dennis didn't come forward and say what happened. And I don't really doubt that Kathy said that she didn't love him anyway, because she had complained to her friend the night before on the phone that she didn't like her marriage. So I feel she probably did at least kind of regret marrying him, and they did possibly get into an argument. I think it's clear anyway, though, that Dennis was going to kill her on that hike, because we have to remember that they did that entire two-hour drive and 90-mile drive each way just one day earlier. But Dennis didn't like how busy it was. Yeah, too many witnesses. Yeah, you can only assume that he didn't like how busy it was because he didn't want anybody to see him pushing Kathy off a cliff. So there's no way in my mind that he just shoved her because she shoved him first and it angered him, you know? And she just happened to fall off the cliff. So I just wish 
we have the real story, even though it is pretty obvious what the real story is. Yeah, to me, I think this guy's a pre-planner. I think he planned out the opportunity. He knew that the next day would be a lot better for him to push Kathy. It wasn't some in-the-moment thing. This guy did it with his first wife, and he did it with his third wife. So even though Kathy's case was somewhat closed, since Dennis never really admitted fault, justice still needed to be served for Leslie Reynolds Larson. When Lois Reynolds learned of Kathy's case, she felt even more confident that Dennis was behind their daughter's death. So she called the local police, hoping that they could look into Leslie's case again. New investigators looked into her case and agreed that Dennis had more than likely killed her. But after a continued search for her remains, they once again found nothing. Over 10 years later, in September of 2000, one of the investigators sat down with Dennis Larson once again to see if they could get any answers from him. Hoping to strike an emotional chord, the investigator explained to Dennis that Lois Reynolds was getting very old and she didn't want to die before knowing what really happened to Leslie. And all Dennis said was that she had fallen in the creek and he was sure that she would surface one day. And by the way, sadly, Bill Reynolds died at the age of 62, actually about five months before Kathy died. So he never learned about her death or anything regarding the trial or anything that's to come. But three hours later, Dennis called the detective saying he wanted to talk now. So they sat down together and Dennis explained that for his crime in Montana, he wanted no more than 30 years in prison and for that sentencing to run consecutively. He basically tried to make a deal and say that if he could get out of prison when he was around 80, he would tell everything. And investigators, of course, were very hesitant to make a deal with him, knowing how dangerous he was, but Dennis kept talking. He said, quote, I found a spot along the creek that there was a large tree that had fallen down into the creek and the water was rising up pretty bad and I pushed her in at that point. And she got tangled up in the limbs and couldn't come up for air because the stream was rushing too quick, and she drowned right there. Police and Leslie's family felt that this was justice for her in some way, because even though he didn't explain where the body was, they at least knew that he had killed her. And he was charged with her murder at this time as well. Just a few months after this confession, on Sunday, December 31st, 2001, 50-year-old Dennis Larson jumped to his death from a third-floor craft room window in prison at 8.05 p.m. He had duct tape across his mouth that said Geronimo written across it and a clothespin clipped to his nose. And there were two notes left from him, one asking for his personal belongings to be donated to an Auburn church and another letter complaining about prison staff. Dennis's body was found at the bottom of the prison's rock quarry, and he was immediately pronounced dead. So, looks like you're not getting out of prison, buddy. I think it's really interesting that, well, first of all, I'm sure most people know this, but for the percentage of people who don't, because I don't like to assume that everybody knows everything, Geronimo is a word that is very often associated with jumping. So, I, I mean, I don't know why he wrote that on his mouth, but he did. And I think it's interesting that he jumped to his death. You know, Kathy was pushed to her death, and then supposedly, so was Leslie. It's kind of creepy. 
Yeah, very, very weird. This guy has some obsession with, like, falling from heights, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. But I wonder what the, the clothespin on his nose was for. I really don't understand that. I don't know. I don't know. Like, there wasn't water beneath him. Right. And it also, was just a courtyard. Exactly. And also the Geronimo thing. It's like, were you making a statement? Like, or like a joke? Like, I don't, I don't know. It's very, very bizarre. And in other news, over six years after Dennis took his life in 2007, bones were discovered on Dennis Larson's old Great Falls, Montana property. New owners were renovating when they found bones underneath the bathroom floor. So first, the couple took photos of the bones and sent them to the police, and then the bones were sent to a Montana State crime lab to determine if they were human or, you know, animal bones, and to see if they possibly belonged to Dennis's first wife, Leslie Reynolds. If they were her remains, this would mean that Dennis lied to police back in 2000 about how he killed Leslie. Because it doesn't really make sense for her to have, him to have pushed her into the creek anyway because they never found her. So I don't even believe that to be true anyway. And weirdly enough, the owners and their children had apparently been seeing a female spirit ever since they had moved in and not too long before the bones were found. They described her as a translucent woman in a white dress with a rose print on it who would often appear in the hallway between the living room and the kitchen right near where the bathroom was. And they would also apparently sometimes see her outside. They also explained other bizarre happenings in the home, from a carbon monoxide poisoning to a mice problem to two miscarriages and one premature baby dying. So obviously this family felt that their house was cursed. So after finding the bones, they decided to move. They were just completely terrified. So Doreen, one of the homeowners, had said that she believed to have pulled up teeth in an arm bone, but that she didn't know what the other stuff that she had pulled out was. She and her husband believed the bones to be human, but it's up to the lab to determine that. They had decided to pull up the bathroom floor after smelling what they had thought was decaying wood. But weirdly enough, there are absolutely no updates on this. Like, not online, not in any newspapers. I searched on newspapers.com with every little keyword. I was not able to find a single mention of this after 2011. And in 2011, the news had just reposted the 2007 article with no updates at all. So I can't imagine it would take over 14 years to finally test the bones and figure this out but I'm not an expert. And as we stated, Bill Reynolds died in 1987, but Lois didn't pass until 2015 at the age of 88. So if those bones were Leslie's, she technically could have learned that before she died. It just doesn't seem like they even determined that even now. Like, I, I don't think they know that or they haven't released it. I don't know why they wouldn't release that. Yeah, it kind of it's it's a little weird that they wouldn't at least give some sort of update. I don't know if maybe this was just so small of uh, like a situation or a case that they didn't just didn't put it in the newspaper. I don't know. Well, that's what I would think. But then why even put in the newspaper that bones were found in the house if you're not going to like update at least the local community? You know, I don't know. True. But I mean, it's clear that somehow 20-year-old Leslie Reynolds fell victim to Dennis Larson just as Kathy Frost had. 
Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and next week we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. I think it's really strange that there were bones found underneath that bathroom floor, and I wonder if, you know, if in fact they weren't Leslie's, if this was another victim of Dennis Larson. That, or, I mean, obviously they could be animal bones, but... Just the fact that the homeowner had found teeth and said that they appeared human, that kind of says a lot to me, but I I don't know. Yeah, and if we get any more information on this, we will definitely let you guys know. Yeah, and if you happen to live in that area in Montana and you heard word of what happened and it just wasn't reported, please let us know because we would be very interested to learn if they were Leslie's and um, I'm sure you guys would too. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and thank you everybody who has joined our Patreon over the last week. Patreon is where you get bonus episodes. We have 47 full-length ad-free bonus episodes right now ready for you to binge. Yes, so we have to give thanks to everybody who has joined this past week. A big thanks going out to Rachel, Bailey, Christy, Sharia, Maria, Olivia, Ratna or Ratna, Salty Salty and Joe. Thank you so much to Jamie, Alicia, Mary, S. Jones, Fernanda, Bailey, and Hannah. And last but not least, a big thanks going out to Nahal, Patrick, Kimber, Jenny, Joan, Jan, and Carmen. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for subscribing. We love having you guys over there. And again, if you patrons have any suggestions for cases, let me know. And we appreciate you guys so much. Your You patrons help keep the show going. And I always say this, but if we ever pronounce your name wrong, please send us a message so we can say it correctly on the show. We appreciate you guys so much. And we have a couple great episodes coming for you this month. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, cheerio and don't be a stranger. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.